you know, if you go a little bit before that, you know, the mid-cap space, this was actually a darling trade for many, many years, and many investors chose to tilt to mid-caps over large caps. Welcome to Deep Dive, a special episode of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these episodes, we put BMO GAM's investment strategies under the microscope so you can see how they work for your clients and your practice. Today, Chris Heeks and Daniel Nessel zero in on the S&P 400 and 600, two lesser-known U.S. equity benchmarks. It's a deep dive into the benefits of mid- and small-cap companies and how these exposures may enhance a diversified portfolio for most, if not all, of your clients. Before we hear from our experts, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and bookmark BMOETFs.ca in your browser. Welcome back to BMO ETFs Deep Dive Podcast. Great to have you with us. I'm Danielle Nezel, Product Specialist with BMO ETFs, and Chris Heeks is with us today, BMO ETF Portfolio Manager and Overall ETF Expert. Chris, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danielle. Always good to be here. Well, today, Chris and I thought it might be interesting to take a look at the U.S. equity universe from the lens of the S&P market cap indexes. So the S&P 500 index, of course, is one of the most popular, if not the most popular benchmark to track large cap U.S. equities. And over the last several years, these large caps, mega caps, even when you're looking at some of these companies with market caps at over a trillion dollars, have been getting all the attention, and rightfully so. You know, the S&P 500 index has returned an annualized 14% over the last five years. But with market sentiment becoming much more positive, we have clarity on the new U.S. president. We have a vaccine hitting the market. These headlines have certainly prompted a rotation into mid-caps and small-caps as investors start paying more attention here. So we want to take a deeper look at the S&P 400 mid-cap index and the S&P 600 small cap index to get a better understanding of these market cap segments of the broader U.S. equity universe. Chris, let's start with the S&P 500. This index might not need an introduction. I think most investors are familiar with it, but the December rebalance is making some headlines because of the inclusion of Tesla. Now, the minimum market cap for the S&P 500 is just over $8 billion. Tesla's market cap, however, is over $500 billion. So it's the largest company by market cap to have been added in over a decade. Chris, why did it take so long for a name like Tesla to be added to this index if clearly it met the minimum market cap so long ago? Yeah, thanks, Danielle. Um, yeah, certainly Tesla and market cap has not been a problem. Um, there's a little known, um, little known financial viability uh, screen actually in the S&P indexes that uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about today as we go through these different um, different exposures through different cap levels. But the S&P 1500 is the composite index, and that 1500 that gives you 500 securities in the large cap, 400 in the mid cap, and 600 in the small cap. Uh, but regardless of whether a company's in the, the large, mid, or small, they have to pass a financial viability test. And what that is, is S&P wants to ensure any company um, included here would have four quarters of uh, positive earnings. So Tesla, um, obviously, is a, you know, largely still, I think, a startup company. Um, they just hit that uh, four consecutive quarters of positive earnings um, actually in the summer. So in July, 
um, based on their Q2 earnings, they, they hit four consecutive earnings uh, that were positive. Um, so that's what you saw in September. There was actually a lot of um, speculation Tesla could be added then. Um, the S&P 500 is a discretionary index, and the index committee chose to wait one additional quarter. And as a, that one additional uh, data point on Q3 came in, again, Tesla had a, had a strong and positive um, quarter. So the decision was made to add it in the December rebalance. Um, yet, like you said, this is, this is one of the largest additions ever. It's, it's, it's going to be about a 1.5% weight, um, so quite a large index um, event. But one thing we remember is the S&P 500, like you said, this is the biggest index in the world. Um, this is the most liquid index in the world as well. And we expect, you know, it's, it's going to go, go quite well. Um, you, we do see Tesla also issuing some equity into it. So capturing a lot of headlines. But I think, you know, as we look, you know, to the theme of the podcast of, you know, overall U.S. equity investing, you know, like you mentioned, the return performance of the U.S. large caps um, it's obviously been something Canadian investors can't ignore. You know, really, the U.S. has been the strongest economy coming out of the financial uh, crisis, you know, whether you're looking at Canada or international equities. Um, you know, and we do talk a lot about on our podcast, we talk a lot about factor and smart beta ETFs, quality and low vault. But you could certainly do a lot worse than owning, you know, ZSP or ZUE. You know, ZSP, ZSP being unhedged and ZUE being hedged to CAD. Um, either or, you know, your performance has been has been uh, very strong, as you noted, in, in the um, you know in the preceding uh, ten years. So, definitely, um, you know, Tesla is probably going to make this this uh, index even more uh, compelling to a lot of investors, as as we've been following the stock closely. But certainly, um, you know, certainly an exposure you need to have in your portfolio. Now let's pivot to mid-cap U.S. equities, not getting as much attention recently as obviously the large and the mega caps. Um, the average market cap also a lot smaller, around $4 billion. So this trade has kind of been out of favor over the last couple years as investors have been you know, flocking to those large caps, those FANG stocks, uh, sectors such as information technology, which is underweight in the mid-cap space. So today what might be interesting about mid-caps Chris, what's your outlook for these companies? Yeah, and um, yeah, just to further your point, I mean, it's really been the year of the large caps the last couple of years, and in particular, as you mentioned, the FANG. So if you look at the top 10 holdings in the S&P 500, they're about 27% of the index now, and that was not the case a few years ago. So you have seen that trend. But, you know, if you go a little bit before that, you know, the mid-cap space, and again, there's 400 companies in the mid-cap index, this was actually a darling trade for many, many years, um, and many investors chose to tilt to mid-caps over large-caps. Um, and so if you look over a, say a 20-year return profile, you still see a pretty significant performance benefit to the mid-caps. So, so they, they've returned about 9.3% over 20 years, and again, about 2% better than the S&P. Um, the risk you tend to have, you tend to have a little more risk with mid-caps because uh, you know, obviously those companies are smaller. Um, but it's about a two percentage point um, increase in risk. So the, the risk level is about 22% versus 20. Um, you know, why, why do you want to kind of look back to mid-caps? I mean, certainly you want to have large caps in your portfolio and the apples and the things of this world are something we want to own. And we think that's a secular theme going forward. But, you know, in an environment, as you mentioned, with uh, a vaccine distribution rolling out in 2021, 
um, with more stimulus, particularly in the U.S. market, coming through as we get the um, clarity around the political stu- structure and there's you know some Senate runoff elections and um, certainly at the very latest in January or February, we're going to get a really uh, very large stimulus package coming through to the American people. Um, so you know, given that and, and the possibility of reopening trade, you know, the mid caps and small caps are very attractive. You know, another interesting thing about mid caps is the the valuation. So we talk about equities being a little bit more on the expensive side. If you actually look at the mid caps and the small caps, uh, the the forward PE is about 20 right now versus 23 on the S&P 500. So there's a valuation um, attractiveness there. And again, I think if we get the reopening trade, you know, I think we could easily see the mid caps kind of return to their their former glory. I mean, we expect large cap IT to still have strong performance going forward, but you know, there's a certain amount of catching up that the mid caps I think are capable of doing in, in 2021. You know, knock on wood, that's going to go a lot better than 2020, and that could be the year where they're going to, um, you know, give some investors some incremental returns. You're listening to Deep Dive, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're looking for timely trade ideas to navigate the current market, we encourage you to tune in each Thursday for our weekly Views from the Desk episodes. You'll hear razor-sharp insights, commentary, and ETF strategies from our portfolio managers, as well as questions submitted directly from our audience of Canadian financial advisors. So since the U.S. election and the vaccine news, the markets have, you know, as you mentioned, really turned risk on. We've seen this recently displayed as flows have been really heading into the small cap U.S. equity space, especially among institutional investors. So, Chris, if you look at this macro landscape and the way markets are today, why would now be especially a tactical time to get exposure to small caps? And then secondly, the S&P 600 U.S. small cap index has that inherent quality bias that you touched on with the 500 and then the 400 index. So why is this especially important to consider when adding small caps to a portfolio? Yeah, thanks. So maybe let's start with that that second part of that question. Um, You know, that financial viability screen, you know, it has actually a really significant impact in small caps. The other other index that's commonly used and perhaps even more more commonly used institutionally is the Russell 2000. So the Russell index takes the 3,000 largest companies and then the 2,000 smallest of the 3,000, that that, that, um, comprises your Russell 2000 small cap index. There's no financial viability screen. And one thing you can really see over the long term is you get, you know, better risks, sorry, excuse me, better return and lower risks with the, with the S&P 600 index. So, um, again, having that quality bias, it's something, you know, investors don't talk about every day, but it really actually gives you benefits in a small cap portfolio. Um, now, looking at, you know, the, the outlook and the positioning, again, we've kind of already touched on it, you know, with some of the comments on the mid uh, the mid cap, but uh, small cap is going to benefit from those same, same themes. Um, now, again, risk again not ratchets ratchets up even a little bit higher. So, if you're looking at historical risk on the S and P small cap, it's about four percentage points higher than the S and P 500. Mid was in the middle; it was about two percent higher. But again, as we get this benefit of um, you know a reopening trade, and, and we've really, like as you mentioned, we've already seen the benefits of the reopening trade with the first kind of positive stories to come on the vaccine front. 
small caps have responded in spades. And I think that's going to, you know, um, provides, you know, a beacon of sorts to investors to say, look, here's where the ball could be moving to if we continue to have this good uh, vaccine story and we can roll it out and it's effective. Um, combine that with the stimulus of hitting the market next year. You know, I think it's a very good backdrop for small caps and could be a very effective ad for, um, you know, investors who, you know, have that risk, risk tolerance where they can take a little bit more risk in their portfolio, you know, with the aim to outperform. You know, I think 2021 is, is, um, is looking like an exciting year for small caps. Okay, so we have the large caps with the S&P 500, the mid caps with the S&P 400, small caps with the 600. BMO offers a suite of ETFs that track all three of these indexes and different currency options. So how do these all kind of work together in portfolio construction? You know, most investors or a lot of investors are already exposed to that, that large cap space and the S&P 500. How might they integrate some small and mid caps in their portfolios to complement that large cap uh, exposure? Yeah, so first, I mean, let's just talk a quick word about the benefit of a, of a disciplined and diversified index-based approach. Um, you know, as I mentioned, the S&P 500, the top 10 uh, holdings in that index are about 27%. You know, one thing that I think is great when you're investing in mid and small caps is that number is much lower. So the top 10 in the mid-cap index um, accounts for about 8%, and then the small-cap index accounts for about 6%. So again, this highly diversified um, index base and discipline-based approach can really pay benefits for clients. You know, one thing we note is the uh, SPIVA report that S&P provides, which essentially looks at uh, the performance of passive strategies versus active strategies. You know, and it shows some very compelling numbers that, you know, really regardless of whether you're in the large cap, mid cap, even the small cap space, um, over, five, over five to 10 years, um, the passive-based approach is outperforming in excess of 80% of the time. So um, a lot of that, again, comes from the cost efficiency of these products, but it shows you, you know, there's a lot of merit to, to getting that mid and small cap exposure through ETFs. So when I'm looking, you know, when I would look at portfolio construction, I think the one thing um, certainly be mindful of is they do carry a, a certain amount of added risk. Um, in my mind, it's not an excessive amount of added risk, but it's it's a little bit more than the large cap portfolio. But I think, um, you know, what investors can look to do is 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 really combine both mid and small. I, I view that as an optimal um, combination. So um, adding whether it's a Z. MID, ZMID is our ticker, or the ZSML, ZSMALL for the small cap. And, and, and as, as you mentioned, we have the .F currency hedge versions as well. Um, I like putting those two together. So look at your total U.S. Um, equity exposure. You know, figure out from a risk, you know, risk point of view what percentage you could allocate to mid and smalls and, and simply, you know, split that allocation between mid and smalls and, and improve your diversification even further. You know, those small caps probably make a little more sense if you want to, you know, quote unquote, swing for the fences a bit. But I think having both in your portfolio can, again, improve your diversification, give you exposure to some other things um, that you're not necessarily getting as much of in the large cap. And, um, you know, again, uh, with 2021 um, looking like knock on wood, potentially a better year um, overall for economies, for markets, for people, you know, I think they're very interesting. Um, tools that you can look to put into your portfolio. 
So that was great. A great discussion, Chris. Really helpful to take uh, the time to understand those, the mid-cap space uh, and the small-cap space and how they differ. It's a tactical time for sure to be looking at these cap levels. And the S&P index is just a great way to get exposure to that trade with that quality bias and the financial viability test, just really important in the mid and small cap space. Thanks, Chris, for joining us. Thanks, Danielle. My pleasure. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If you want more ETF news, trade reports, um, performance reports, we have it all in our BMO ETF dashboard. That's BMO ETF. We'll see you next time. Thanks once again to Chris Heeks, ETF Specialist and Portfolio Manager, and Danielle Nezel, BMO Product Specialist at BMO Global Asset Management, for joining us on Deep Dive. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to tune in to our weekly Views from the Desk episodes available each Thursday morning in this same podcast series. And you should also bookmark the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's B-M-O-E-T-F-S.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio manager represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment tax or legal advice to any party. Investment should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statements that necessarily depend on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance.